0: This is We Are Netflix, Netflix employees talking about work and life at Netflix.
1: I'm Lyle Troxel, and on this episode of the We Are Netflix podcast, A Visit to Amsterdam, Part 2. I recently spent some time at the Netflix office in Amsterdam. I went there to learn more about our global expansion and to meet some of the people who are making it happen. In part one, I interviewed our VP of EMEA Business Development, Maria Ferreras, who told me about our growing ecosystem of international business partnerships in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. In this, the second Amsterdam episode, we'll take a look at the marketing side of things. We'll hear a conversation I had with Carmen Verrier, Director of Marketing for Northern, Central, and Eastern Europe, and Jacek Ambrosiewicz, Marketing Manager with a focus on Poland and Romania. Carmen and Yatsig describe how they create localized marketing campaigns for Netflix original content, campaigns tailored to specific regions, countries, and cities across Central and Eastern Europe. Carmen previously worked for Disney and Warner Brothers in Europe, and Yatsig worked in the gaming industry in Poland. I started by asking how working at Netflix is different.
2: In Polish companies usually when you work there's a very uh, strong hierarchy feeling, hierarchy. Yeah, yes. For me, it was always a problem. I was constantly reminded that I shouldn't, for example, um, say anything in a meeting that will kind of will undermine uh, somebody who is above me. So it was very, for me, confusing because I never paid attention to that, to, to positions. I always just want to do my job. And the best I can do my job is to just to comment on everything that I can actually do. So I think that was the biggest part when I moved here. Here, it's appreciated. Even though we have different positions on like ladder and stuff like that, of yeah. course, but it doesn't matter who you are and which department you work in. Like your comment matters, no matter where you're from and who you are, which is very surprising. And the second part is the trust. Working in a Polish environment is very complicated because there is a set rules. What can you do? What can't you do? And they're very strict. And uh, when I uh, when I moved here. I still remember that whenever I was asking for advice, how I should do it, the uh, I think I heard the most, like, whatever you want, well, whatever you think is best. And I was like... Uh, make good decisions. Yeah, like, you, you're here to make decisions. I was like, you yeah, know, okay. I'm not going to lie. It took me a lot to kind of reprogram my brain to be able to function the best as I can in the environment like that. So it just took me probably half a year to a year to kind of fully assimilate with this new idea that... I should comment when, like, whenever I have mm. an idea, I shouldn't be pulling myself back. Uh, I just, I should just say whatever I want. That seems like
1: that seems like a long time to go without being effective like that. Have, have, Carmen, is that a long time? Do people have some t- difficulty deciding? Oh, I can actually speak up here.
0: Well, I think for Jacek, Jacek had his own island. He was CE, so there was nobody else with any knowledge of the market. I was. Uh, running other things so um i think that's part of uh, his longer journey um and i think you have extroverted and introverted people and um we all are very opinionated but we should leave the space for people who need more time to give their opinion in bigger um bigger meetings so i think
1: do you find yourself coaching people to hey speak up
0: Um, yes, but also I think we're, we're getting better at being mindful of the fact that for some people it's very natural. And for some people they just need time and they, they just need space. So, um
1: they need to feel trusted and, and safe in some ways
0: exactly yeah, yeah. and it just take it, it. for some people it's very comfortable to speak up for, and for some people it continues to be uncomfortable
1: are you one of those people that's easy to speak up or?
0: I speak up easily in a group but as soon as you put me on stage it becomes uncomfortable <laughs> well
2: that's because you're a human being <laughs> yes. that's what it's called <laughs> and that's funny because for, for me it's completely the opposite way around exactly I mean? oh, really? yeah, the, if I talk with like a huge crowd of people I feel safer uh, because it's nobody Can kind of raise their hand in a way and kind of (laughs) like (laughs) like break me up. And then I tell a lot of jokes as well every time. So, whenever I'm on stage and we tell a joke and everybody laughs, then it's for me, okay, then then I'm fine. I got got the crowd. It's (laughs) fine. Uh, And whenever I'm in in my smaller group, it's just very personal, very, it's not anonymous in in so many ways. And then I start to feel like, oh, well, well, this is, you know, people know me, people know my name. If I say something stupid, they will point me out. So one of the larger regions, of course, or larger regions,
1: or larger countries, I should say, in uh, Central and Eastern Europe is Poland. That's what we're kind of talking about today. And we just, just released in November of 2018 the series, that the Polish-produced series 1983 as our first original. And both of you are a big part of this. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to launch a campaign like that.
0: Usually we have sort of a kickoff once the project is uh uh, signed. We have a kickoff with uh, all of the showrunners, with the actors. Um, they give sort of their creative vision. Uh-huh. Uh, and we have the ability to ask questions around music, storylines. So before they even start shooting.
1: Are the are, actors already involved as well?
0: Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. Uh, um, so that depends on the project. Um, but in this case, um, many of them were already um you do a kickoff where you really get the vision from them, um, and that starts sparking ideas already. Yeah, yeah. So the
1: creative start stuff starts right away.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And you're sitting in that because you know that you'll be marketing this thing. You have yes. to figure out how to t- tell the story to people that don't know about it. Uh, yes. Yeah. And of course, you're doing you're you're paying attention to all over Europe, including the Nordics, or. Um,
0: it's right now, well I've I've done Middle East and Africa also for a while, but that was a little bit much when these markets started to explode. So right now, besides CE, it's also Nordics and Benelux, Okay. Which is our continuous enough, mantra. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it's our continuous mantra because we talk about CE. Well, CE does that really exist. It's yeah. like so many countries and well, cultures. Let's talk, let's
1: talk about this because of course a lot of our audience can be listening to this from all over the world. Right. Yeah. So when we talk about CE, we're talking about central Europe. We normally also include uh, Eastern Europe in there. But then you're also throwing Nordics in there. That does not fit as well. So how do you describe it? I mean, I was trying to fill my brain with enough knowledge to figure it out. But it seems like it's even ambiguous for everybody.
0: Yeah. Hiring great people. That's (laughs) one thing. (laughs) And it's also, I love leaning into different cultures. And there's, there's always a touch point, Like my real grandfather died in the war and my uh, grandma married a polish liberator so that connection with poland although you know i'm not local i'm not native but that passion to learn more about the country was always there yeah. um and i think uh, you have these different connections and if you lean in uh, you can learn but you will never become a native
1: right
0: so in the end the Dutch market I know most about.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So you rely on Yatik to understand Poland. You're Polish-born, right? Yes. So you, it's your, it's your home. You know it well. When that first meeting happens in Warsaw uh, for the 1983 production,
2: what was it like? It was exciting, very exciting. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so I also work in gaming company, so I launched like Polish games worldwide as well. In a way, but then you just. Sit in one room with these actors and uh, scriptwriters and directors, and also you don't. For a moment, for the first moment, I didn't realize how big a thing of this is, like this exact meeting, and then I realized that for all of us, on every chair that we're sitting, this is the first Polish show that we be launched in. So many countries is just one click of a button. It's not only a show; is the show that will change entertainment that we know of for well, us. Because what's happening with Netflix
1: is just different than any other types yes. films or done. There's lots of films that have come out of Poland, but there's yeah. not films that come out of Poland and get translated and are available everywhere when yeah. they release, and that's big for the country, right? Yes. So this goes into production, and while it's and in, you're involved in those first meetings, and of course probably some planning and such, and. Carmen, you kind of sit back because you're focusing on uh, Netherlands and and, and Dutch and all in that area. So um, this moves forward to when – what other things do you touch on for marketing? Do you go to set to make sure that you get stills and imagery you need prior to?
0: Yes, you do. Yeah. So um, together with uh, our creative marketing division and let's say the whole country team, you sort of figure out a strategy for the title – which also uh, fits or can be adapted to the local sort of narrative, which obviously is a a little bit of a deeper narrative because it is a Polish show. Um, And we look more at audience versus, let's say, content looks more at the content itself. And creative marketing is that layer where they uh, think about title positioning and uh, connects that to us, to the audience. So those are sort of country team discussions where we get to uh, a great positioning of the show. And out of that comes these these materials that need to be created. They can be either these materials, key art, trailers that will work across the globe, or at least you know they work for the show. Um, and um, we need to find these points, these these creative assets that will work even better locally. Um, so an example would be that um, narrative, a local narrative in a trailer. Uh, the Polish dialogue, we would limit that a little bit so that the show is a little bit broader. But obviously for local assets, we want to have that dialogue with sure. the... Uh, with the actors, and I think Jacek can better speak to how we did that. But we really had a one day where the local team, Jacek and Tomek, really sort of created these local assets for the okay, show.
1: Okay, what did that look like for creating these local assets? You you realize you have to have more Polish language inside the assets you're going to be in in Polish speaking countries, and then you want to have more broad a- appeal. And you only have one day with the actors to do this, or what's the what does it look like?
2: So of course it, it depends on the project. For 1983 specifically, we had in total. two Two days on something we call marketing shoot, and we just spend those two days with actors in a st- so many different studios for this project. Uh, because Warsaw is it's a awesome city, but in terms of studios and shoot studios, it's not that great. It's I mean, not you know, a like, film mecca, is what yes, you're saying? Yeah, at least not yet. And, um, yeah, so it was a, a challenge, I think. First of all, like, logistical challenge. We needed to move talent from literally one studio to another, which were, like, on the different parts of the city uh, because we had, like, photos. That's where the sets are, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we, we we also had, like, studios just with, like, white walls just right. to take, like, some pictures. Glamour shots. Yes, glamour shots. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting because we decided at the beginning that we'll kind of divide. Like, one day it's going to be... More to shoot like those glam shoots and like these global things, and then we'll have one day to do local stuff. And it was a challenge because, of course. When you are put this pressure on you that oh my God, this needs to be so local, then uh, I think the biggest question we are asking ourselves where is actually the what actually local means in a way right what do, you, what do you mean how far do you need to go with a show that is already made in Poland with Polish actors Polish directors everything is about the show is polish about polish culture and history alternative Polish history so what exactly making it more local means in a way right um, if it's already Local, right? Yeah. And I think this was a very interesting experience to see global perspective per se. So how the show would travel best in the US or in other countries and how we create those assets and like to make this a global appealing show, but still with this local background in, in, in the back. So on the second day, we uh, recorded definitely more voiceovers, uh, have talent talking about the show in Polish language um, that will be specific. We asked them more questions that about Polish history, what do they know about it? to make it more appealing to just for people who will hear this in Polish or see this in Poland. And, of course, we shot a lot for, like, social content as well, uh, to use it on social videos. You get to use that
1: part of your brain again, yeah? Yes, yeah.
2: yes. It was an interesting journey, I think, and I still remember me waking up in the middle of the night and having an idea and drawing, like, very, very bad. I I'm, I can't draw. But uh, – and uh, drawing, like – scenes that I would love to uh, shoot on the, uh, on the market should shoot very poorly sending this to agency and like, can you do it properly, like to send those? Um, uh, to our directors and photographers on set. Sure. Uh, but I think this is very interesting as, as well. There is no such a thing as Netflix in, the, in any project that you need to go through a, a lot of procedures to get stuff done. If you really believe in something, I think this is a very interesting place to be.
1: So you're saying that you woke up in the middle of the night and like, you know what, I've got this idea for this one shot I need for social. So you make a quick sketch, and then in the morning when you have a little more consciousness, you send that off to an agency you're working with, and you go, I want to do this. And that basically is the incarnation and the start and execution of that. Yes, like, of that's course. That's going to happen now.
2: Yes, of <laughs> course, we agreed all in the team that this is the best use of the time on the set because we also have only two days, so we need to pick and choose which concept we do. And you but, want to run it past people that are like, yes. not
1: asleep at the time when they draw it. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but so that's exactly how it happened. So what kind of campaign gets run? You make all these assets, and then at some point, okay, it's time to start promoting this show. It's going to come out on the service soon. We want to promote it before it comes on the service. So what's that, that step look like?
2: Oh, this is a lot of meetings <laughs> I think uh, I think at one point we uh, we brought like a whiteboard to our team uh-huh. uh, just to be able to move stuff around in a calendar that nobody used in the end. We of course used Google Drive, but still, it was fun to have like an empty whiteboard in our team corner, of course, um, but it 's just a lot of meetings and trying to figure out what 's the proper story that we want to tell here. How do we tell the story of the show without spoiling it, of course, yeah, yeah. and for people to be interested in what they see. And I think the biggest challenge is, I'm a freak in terms of storytelling. I think everybody can confirm that. I'm very picky as well. And in team meetings, when everybody's talking about assets and how they look like, I'm always like, wait, 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 let's take a step back. Let's think about what we really want to tell. I think this is the question that I really ask a lot. And of course, everybody wants to do that, but... um, and this is the hardest part, I think, of the job we're doing here, because we're still an entertainment brand. Right, we're not selling something that is just an object. We're saying emotions to people. More, they need to believe that what they see is something that they want to was that they want to go through through this show or TV or movie or whatever. So I think this is the moment in our work that it takes a lot of time. Like just putting those on a calendar, like naming the phases and just knowing that this story that we want to tell for marketing is actually a story and not just a billboard in the middle of the street.
0: It's what is the story we want to tell? What's the audience we want to tell it to? And I think um, different to any other company where I worked at, usually a marketing campaign is all about reach and frequency. We want to reach so many people uh, so many times. And I think that what we do totally different here, we do not really look at that reach and frequency uh, machine when we buy media. But we think about, okay, we have that moral and we have this creative story that we want to tell even at, even though it's one mural in Warsaw this will drive so much conversation people will make you know pictures of it they will share it they will talk about it
1: is that is that true specifically because it's in Warsaw or No
0: else? it's it's I think true to the way that we do local marketing campaigns mm-hmm. that we really think about Uh, uh, If we buy a placement, it needs to be a placement where if we put that creative message out, it drives conversations versus I think a lot of brands just push out media to get to a certain reach and frequency. And we think more from a creative way of how we want to tell that story and have that media placement even work harder for us uh, because people talk about it and share it.
2: I think this is a very good point in a way that also every city is so completely different like if you I'm working for Poland and Romania and whenever I'm traveling to Bucharest or to Warsaw they're so completely different in terms of like even media placement you need to adapt your story to be better told in this completely different landscape right if we for example for Warsaw we would say that we want to tell a story specific story when like choose placements to tell the story in this mural and this out-of-home and this metro station. Then you go to Bucharest and you see, wow, there's not so many out-of-homes that actually can help us it here. So we need to adapt and change what you think you already knew in completely new. And I'm new to marketing. A year ago, I joined only to marketing. But trust me, now when I travel, I look at cities completely differently. Like how can you use this city to help you share like who we, who we really are? And it's just completely different even from a perspective uh, of like knowing the city and like understanding where people are and how they're talking and what excites them as well. It's very different than social media when you can it's- just put asset and it will reach people that it should reach, right?
1: Yeah. It seems like a, it, we're doing something very different. And um, so... Carmen, you you worked for Disney and Warner Brothers and other companies doing things like, you know, little movies people might have heard of, like Harry Potter and the Ocean's 11, 12, 13 franchise and Avatar and 3D. Don't know any of them. Yeah, all of these are big, giant things. And, of course, also Dutch acquisitions, local uh, content as well. And in those campaigns, these large companies, you're saying that when they put a billboard up, they weren't thinking about the location. I mean, they're thinking about the location, of course, but is it mostly just from an eyeball perspective? I mean, what, what are they doing to assess if the billboard's appropriate for that massive show?
0: I think it's more about the creative and the story that's on there. So I think with bigger studios, at least when I work there, a lot of, is, uh, a lot of the creative is very regulated and it comes from the U.S. And that's the story. You can hardly change anything. Mm-hmm. And I think here it's not that we constantly change artwork because – That wouldn't be very efficient, but we are very much looking at that that local story that we want to tell.
1: Is that only for originals in Poland and in the the area? It's
0: it's basically for every show. For every show uh, that we want to promote and we think impacts the market, we look at that local relevance. And sometimes that might be that the local relevance is actually pushing something which is – Uh, maybe a little bit American in the show. That could be the thing that drives local conversation. Um, And obviously for a show like 1983 or The Rain in Denmark, that local uh, uh, sauce is already there and you just amplify that in market. I think it's more about, I call it push and pull marketing, where a lot of the studios push for reach and frequency and have that – Uh, and use mainly sort of artwork from, from the U.S., I think, where it's totally different here is that we try to pull people in when they're in the mood when when is the right moment and learning from these insights and really tell that creative story that people talk about
1: how do we balance the effectiveness and the cost i mean if we're doing that if we have micro marketing campaigns per country or you know staff and working on this at that level how do we decide when it makes sense to spend the extra time to make it more appropriate and when it doesn't how do you decide to do that
0: well, you really need to um, think about what what kind of conversation it's going to drive and if it's going to be shared. Um, and I think it's not so much about totally changing key art. It can be about a location. Um, uh, a good example would be the rain uh, where um, the global positioning was more stay dry, stay alive, so very dystopian. And... Um, Uh, locally, it was about that this happened, this dystopian thing happened in one of the most happy nations in Europe. So that was the local angle we could play with. So we used the artwork, but we teased with sort of uh, um, Copenhagen elements that were in the movie and showing them as they were and uh, then as they are in in the series. So really taking that dystopian feeling to the people of Copenhagen seeing buildings that they know suddenly be ruined uh, and then taking it to the more global campaign. So I so, think it's, it's really working closely with our creative marketing yeah. uh, people to come to that. I, I can see very clearly, Sorry to interrupt, I can
1: see very clearly how compelling that would be because, of course, for that audience, it's so much more appropriate, right? Um, for Poland, 1983 has totally other meanings because it's about that country. But why do we, how do we decide that that's an effective way to spend our money to do these things? Why, how do we know the payoff is going to be something more than just people watching or people signing up for Netflix?
0: Well, sometimes we don't. So we might think that something drives conversation, And sometimes it doesn't. So it's also, you know, taking a risk sometimes. But we do have insights from other campaigns. Uh, We've seen what worked. Uh, Obviously, you see what our fan base are talking about. So those are all elements that we can put into that. Uh, But we're also sometimes just taking a risk in uh thinking that this this will drive conversation yeah. um and it might not
1: so we create um all these local pieces that are appropriate and then you've got billboards you want to do in in cities um you didn't call them billboards you called them out of homes out of well. homes
0: yeah oh, okay. okay. or murals, murals yeah. yeah okay that, so you have those that, that i know and you <laughs> also
1: i'm assuming we we
2: uh do some ads of our shows on linear television as well So, of course, it depends on the market. I think some markets are not so open for companies like Netflix to be on television. So, I'm not going to lie, we're struggling with that Mm -hmm. in Poland in a way that we're trying to use more out of homes and cinemas and social. I think Poland and the whole Eastern Europe, because we're so passionate about things, social media is a very important channel for us. Yeah. Is it is social media big in Poland and Romania? Yes, uh, Facebook mostly Instagram uh-huh. growing very fast. But uh, even in Romania, I think the the percentage of people that have Facebook of the overall population is higher than in Poland, for example. Oh, okay. And they're very. We all are very active, very passionate about things we talk about. As uh, you know, this Eastern blood, as we say it, not Southern Eastern, and so yeah. Li- linear television is a bit tricky, uh, but of course. If it will make sense, we will we'll go for it. We put ads on television before in Poland as well. Yeah, uh, it just it doesn't always have sense yeah. to do it. I think this is something that is also like Carmen said. This is different than any other company. We choose channels in terms of like what makes sense for this title to reach the audience that we want to reach that we know yeah. is going to be interest or no. We risk who is going to be interested in the show versus just put it on television because it will work. I think in the previous companies that I also worked in gaming as well. Television was uh, always in media mix for campaigns because it's working. We, yeah. It's very hard to measure, of course, but it's working. And here we question every time, like, but will it work? And then I think non two media plans that I've seen in my life here were similar. Like, it's completely choosing channels to our audiences instead of, like, choosing channels because they work usually. And um, I think, yeah, reach is just to build the awareness of a, of something to uh, as much people as you can reach, right? And then if even 10% will be interested in that, you consider this a win. And this company is more how can we reach 100% the people that will be interested in that. So that means choosing channels in a very responsible, I want to say, way. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we we do those channels, choose those channels. We launch a show; it comes on the service at uh, some time, and then Friday, the, 9 a. M. <laughs> Friday nine a.m. Friday, <laughs> and then everybody on the planet can can watch it. Um, yes, what does it? What does your day look like when that happens?
2: Oh, uh, first of all, probably sleepless night. Um, I remember for especially for the show, and sometimes we we do that for like big campaigns. We we do something we call in our team a war room. We book a whole room for our whole team for a whole day, and we just Wake up in the morning uh, of the show, we just sat down by a table with our laptops and start working and checking if everything works, if everything is ready. Of course, other phones were already out for a couple of days, so it was fine. But there were so many small things like social asset, lunch asset, you can watch it now. Instagram, there's so many platforms, m- many ag- agencies in the market working on the title. So it was just a lot of co- coordination among until the lunch and even after, because of course, It would be ideal word when the show launches and you're like, okay, I can go home and rest now. But basically it's just the first step as well. One of many steps, maybe not first, but it's one of many steps. Your campaign is still on. Yeah, it's also the
1: first time you find out if your campaign is working.
2: Yes, and then you start seeing people talking and then you're meeting again with agencies and you're trying to analyze, okay, so how can we adapt to change it along how it goes, can we? Do, do we have? Can we put more impact on most important assets that are still yet to go? Can we change them? Can we adapt them? Is there a point of this, right? Yeah. So I was like, again, in my previous jobs, it was you usually when title launches, we you kind of agree in a way that you did your best, and you know we'll see. Here is just because we have so much control and impact of the work we do, even with creative. It just puts more work into details into like those small things do our people talking like again for example about the city and the, after the show launch like the rain or the 1983 do, does our bet about putting more our time behind building local assets do really work right. or should be do we really need them right I think this is discussions that we have like all the time even now it's it's half a year after launch we still are using learnings from the show and how we did campaigns to launch more campaigns right for for, for even shows like stranger things so lucifer in romania right
1: yeah even ones that aren't local content yes yeah. of course carmen you were nodding your head a lot of that Do you want to add some thoughts to that
0: well um i think jacek Told it correctly, yeah. and um, I think it's beautiful to see what then the fan base suddenly started. You see that fan base build up for that that title, and that's a beautiful thing to see. We just did for a Dutch uh, co production, which is. Created in Belgium, uh, uh, but it has Dutch um, main actors and it plays it, – it's sort of the narco show of the Benelux. So, it plays about a Dutch uh, uh, Pablo Escobar figure. Drug and it's, dealer, yeah. yeah, and it's about the ecstasy business on the border between the Netherlands and, and Belgium.
1: Is it also uh, based on real-life characters?
0: Well, Maybe they not. were inspired by several cases. <laughs> um But the fun thing to see, we took over our own handles uh, with the dialect, the Dutch and the Belgian dialect, well, the the Dutch dialect of the South. And anything we communicated, even brand posts around Stranger Things, were all in that dialect. And that exploded. Within a couple of hours, we were trending topic uh, on Twitter.
1: Try to explain that to me. So you're saying that there's a dialect of the show. The characters in the show use that dialect. So all the social brands of Netflix speaking in that area use that same dialect.
0: Our whole Dutch – all of our social media channels talked in that dialect. For
1: other shows and everything.
0: Everything. The whole day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, And also our responses were in that dialect. Yeah. And then obviously that dialect uh, differs a little bit per city. So we had these whole conversations and press were getting language specialists in and is Netflix doing a good job? Well, yeah, if you think about from this city. So there were these whole conversations and press picking that up. And I think that's typically something where you're not changing key art, but you're really changing the storytelling yeah. and, and taking it to a local level.
1: It's so funny because this is the kind of things I love about Netflix. You know, I'm so proud of it when I when I see it on social media, that's speaking from a person's perspective or it's from a character of a show talking. I just love that feeling like, wow, these people are are loving what they're doing. And that's what it feels like to me. Um, do you both love what you do? Am I right?
0: A lot. Otherwise, <laughs> you couldn't do it, I think, because um, you need to, I think the basis is that you need to love uh, to watch content, yeah. yeah. because we need to watch a lot of it. Um,
2: yeah, and it's a very valid point. Like I love most of the shows that I work on, because uh, I think that's what's making everything great. Like, if you have this show that you completely adore, and you get a script for like season three episode one and you just sit at home read it and it's like oh my god this is everything I wanted to do in my life and then and then from time to time you you get a show that is like oh it's a show and it's still you still do it and I think it's important it's also a thing about curiosity in the end because you can look at it as like oh I don't like it I don't want to do it it's bad but in the end it's all about you learning something new as well even if, if I'm working a show that maybe it's not for me and I think it's bad, but I know people will watch it, or we know there will be an audience to it, then it's a lot of learning curve to do it. Like, for example, what audience will going to watch it, right? And what excites them? What will excite them about the show? Not me, but what will excite them? Where are they looking for their information? It's funny, though,
1: because, of course, as you learn that, you start appreciating it at a different level, right?
2: Yeah, of course. And then you suddenly realize that, oh, yeah, that's actually again, it's not maybe show for me, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist or it shouldn't yeah. be prom, she promoted, right? So I think this is a, a lot of like a learning curve, and it's about your internal curiosity because you could do it, try uh, like in a traditional way in like a in a we'll call it a studio, yeah. just put something that you know will work, put it in a media plan and just go go with it, right? Who cares? We'll see later. But I think still here you feel this excitement that you can learn something new, you can actually dive in, and then you ask. Agencies to bring you reports and like work on reports. Like, what do they think? What do they know from their experience? Then you jump in comments on like similar pages to find like what people are talking about, and then you put a trailer and you read th- comments there to see what people are talking about on the trailer for for example. In the end, it's just a journey like every other. So I think if you're not excited for the shot, this you're excited for the learning you will have and what the new experiences you will join. And I think this is something. It's not about the shows, but it's also new markets. It's the same. like We launched Ro- Romania. I'm not Romanian. I don't know the, the language. I've never been here before we actually launched the, our service there. And it's still, we could, in a way, say, like we don't know the market. Let's put whatever there. But it took us a lot of time. Right now, we are there two years to learn about the market, to learn what excites people being in, in this market. They will be different than Polish people. They will be different than Czech and any other people in how, the world. Right? How do
1: you go about learning that?
2: Well, for me, I personally, I like to just travel and to even grab a coffee in a place to, even if you don't understand the language, if you see how people behave, I think like how they talk, if they're loud or quiet, if they're talking, if they're go- going for a coffee in the morning, for example, or if they're eating breakfast outside or inside their houses, how they party, it, it, is it till 2 a.m. and they go home or it is like 7 a.m. and they go home and like... The or sm- they never go home. Oh, they never go home, right. Um... Uh, and I think those small things, even from like watching people, even if you don't know understanding the language, you can learn a lot from like their behaviors. I love to do that. Like I, whenever even I travel for myself, I spend half of my probably travels just sitting around and watching how people behave, because this is something that will. I think, guide us as a civilization, hopefully, to better understanding each other in, in the end, like who we really are, uh, because borders doesn't matter in a way, like on so many levels right now. With easy travels, you can yeah. go wherever you want in a, in a day.
1: Carmen, how do you, do you, do you look at that and how do you assess whether you need to hire more people from Romania, for example? How do you know when you need that?
0: Well, I think when, um, because we launched so many markets, um, it's the potential of that market. Um, So, what do you need to be efficient and effective uh, uh, in market? Romania is big enough, so at some point we need some native people. And we're looking. And we're looking. So, if you want, it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) What what makes it hard? Um, I think um, in a lot of markets, uh, um, social marketing isn't that developed. Mm -hmm. Really, having people who are able to have the courage to lean in and and innovate is Mm -hmm. harder and harder so you want people to be confident enough to um do something uncomfortable every day and learn and push themselves and And, and those
1: kind of people are rare in some areas i'm assuming right exactly interesting yeah Yeah. so that's one of the challenges we're having romania is just finding people that are willing to take the courage to to be to speak up in those
2: meetings
0: yes, that's that's a big part of it.
2: Yeah. But I think also if you look at it from a different perspective, even if you look at a country like US, which is so big and the market is so developed and you look for people, there's big pool of talent that you can kind of interview, right? If you look at a country that has 20 million people, this pool is way, way smaller. So it's like just less people to talk to, a lot yeah. of less people. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a lot of meetings and a lot of also luck to actually be in a good place to put this job offer into the position of a person who is like a perfect candidate. Yeah,
1: you're hiring right now for that?
2: Yes, 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 please. I can see that you're interested. Yeah, like, please.
0: (laughs) But the level of English, that's also sometimes a a difficulty because you have to have a certain level of English, speaking and written, to be able to to function within this company.
1: Um, Any other areas in in your region, if you will, besides Poland and Romania that are at that size or those ones we're focusing on right now?
0: those are the two that we're focusing yeah. on right now yeah
1: so the other places we're still doing campaigns we're still marketing and doing all those things we just do a little bit lighter touch
0: well if we're not if our service isn't localized yeah. uh, it's hard to do that it's yeah. hard to do that yeah. yeah yeah
1: but we're localized in romania and uh poland yes which is our newer our newer countries basically um so one other thing about in these regions of course having staff Really nice and important and all that to make those really critical decisions and and be brave in executing and, and then assessing, did I do the right thing? All those are important to have staff. But you keep on mentioning agencies that are actually producing content for us, like they're actually part of the, the, the chain. What does that look like? What's our relationship with them look like?
0: Well, it's, it's also the first step when you enter into a market, uh, especially if that market isn't native to you. So I would say Romania, but when I also was running Middle East and Africa, there were a lot of regions where Turkey, I didn't know. Um, so there were a lot of regions where we didn't know uh, the local market. So in that sense, these local agencies are super important. And, and we're to, talking
1: about a marketing agency, right? A place you'd go marketing and Marketing
0: agency, media agency. Sometimes you want to have a different agency for that That's that social knowledge. Yeah. Sometimes that's even a freelancer uh, uh, works way better. So I think that's that's the first step. And even to Jacek's point uh, and to your question, if there is content that is not your cup of tea... At an agency, there's always a fan uh, of that certain content, so yeah. it it also spreads our workload in that in that sense. How do we work
1: with them? Like, so you find in Romania, you find an agency, and maybe a co- independent contractor person that's done some social media stuff. You're like, oh, I like that campaign they did. So you find these people, find the company, we sign some stuff with it. Let's work together. Then, what does the what does the partnership look like?
2: This is a very important because it needs to be a partnership that we really push for. We don't want our agencies to be just an agency to bring us and accept like everything we're saying and say, like, if I will say, I think this is best. I don't want my agencies need to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. I want them to really challenge me if they're thinking the opposite, right? I really mm. want to hear that because I think this is also what's making us grow as a company is that we're very open to feedback and I think this is a very important part of the working with an agency kind of situation and I think it's depends of market to market it's also depends of like what agencies do we have in each market and what they're doing even if you look in Poland and in Romania, the setup that we built here and here is completely different in terms of, like, we have more creative agencies in Poland because we want to switch things around and we promote more. So we want to have the idea that specific show we believe needs specific people. So we have completely different agencies with completely kind of different people. So we know if we put this project with this agency, they will d- deliver the best job we can actually get. And... I think this is very interesting from a perspective also of me as as I I was hired here and I got like freedom if however I will approach those markets that what fits me as a person like my mentally person like I know I'm really bad at organization part of the job so of course when I work with an agency I always say that that person who will be working on this project needs to really be good at organization so to help me to also be on top of the, the project as well but if i look at other people in my team even they definitely are better in this the organization part so they don't need as much support in this part of the business right so i think it's very interesting because we treat i think our agencies as partners in crime more than an agency only
0: because if they tell the story for us, we expect them to also, you know, completely have watched 1983 and yeah. to be able to tell that story. So you need to treat them as partners. They, well, they, 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 they. We go hand in hand in that storytelling.
1: Do you then, for these, uh, for these agencies, do you give them access to the shows early on? Yes, yeah. as soon
0: as we can, yeah. um, they get access. Well.
1: That's one of those benefits I love when I'm thinking about a show. Um, what are I'm going to ask you both what you're kind of interested in right now, the content you're watching, the shows you're watching. So, Isaac, go ahead. What are, you, what are you enjoying right now?
2: Um, I think right now I'm very excited. I just started watching Bonding, which is a very good show about uh, a dominatrix, which is a comedy, dark comedy comedy. I also love Dead to Me, which I just finished, which I think is amazing. Took and Birdie. Lunch a couple of weeks ago, amazing show as well, animation. There's a, I think I'm more into like dark humor recently. Sounds like the it. Dark yeah. drama. But, they're both but dark, yeah. those three were something in the past weeks that I really enjoyed. And of course, Lucifer. Of course, I think it's hilarious. It's is great. it good? Yeah, the new season is very, very good. I liked it a lot. Carmen?
0: Well, besides the fact that we have to watch a lot which is not on our servers yet. So um, I think that takes up most of my time. But I, uh, I've i been watching Pinky Malinky with my kids, which oh my God, is so awesome. Yeah, um, it's really, really funny. And yesterday I actually watched an unscripted show called Flinch. It's typically that don't do that at home. So people uh-huh. who get shocked and if they flinch, they get uh, um, an electric shock. It was <laughs> a really weird show. But my kids loved it, so... Um, Uh, But I had to say, don't do this at home many times. (laughs) Yeah, I'll do it. Um, At 12 and 14, they really, really like that show. And um, uh, I've been watching, well, again, Quicksand, our Swedish show, because I saw that when it wasn't completely finished in order to do... To do the campaign. Uh But then, if the show is so good, you want to watch it again when it's completely finished. And Dead to Me, I'm also uh, watching Dead to Me and The Society, which is an interesting one. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you very much for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank
0: you. Bye. We Are Netflix is hosted by Lyle Troxell. He's a senior software engineer at Netflix. You can keep up with We Are Netflix on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. To learn more about careers at Netflix, go to jobs.netflix.com.